0: Yippee Kai motherfucker. Good trash genre cast. Listen to me! You look like a. What? Radioactive Cam Wasn't what? supposed to be like a banana with a yeast
1: infection. How did I come to this? Not again. I played Richard III. Five curtain calls. There were five curtain calls. I was an actor once. Damn it, now look me. Look at me! I can't go out there
2: and I want to say that stupid line.
0: One more turn.
2: I got I got short every fucking color. I got designer t-shirts.
1: Who cares about the goddamn dance chip. I do. I ordered your corsage. It's an orchid. It was like $12. If it means anything now, I am so sorry. I was never a very good practical joker. So do you have any regrets?
2: Garfield, maybe.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash
0: Genre Cast. Uh, Across the table, if you would, sir. My name is Dalton Stewart, and I'm here to get loaded and
1: have a good time. To my left, man, if you introduce yourself.
2: My name is Alexandra Bohannon, and nothing suggested in the last three minutes has been better than Smashy Smashy Eggman.
1: Thank you very much. (laughs) My name is Dustin Sells, and I plan to stick out this podcast to the bitter end, or the logger end. We shall see how that all goes. Yes, indeed, this week's film that you'll never study in a film studies course that we're going to apply film studies critical analysis to is Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, The World's End.
0: That's right. We continue our month of movie sequels by doing the spiritual sequel to uh, two films we've already talked about on this show, back when we did our uh, double feature month.
1: We want to warn you, dear listener. This is not a review show; it's an analysis show. So we will avoid spoilers as best we can and not reveal to you how basically Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are acting like themselves as the world ends around them. But I was going to
0: say, you learn that you can tell who's human by doing a blood test.
1: Oh, you could do that, mm-hmm. um, but that would be a movie I don't want to talk about. So there's that. <laughs> bastard <laughs> and so we will avoid those spoilers uh first we'll have a synopsis from the voice of the cinema and then we'll have our quick thumbs up thumbs down reviews live from your ice cave fortress lair mr arthur gordon let's hear that synopsis
0: five friends who reunite in an attempt to top their epic pub crawl from 20 years earlier unwittingly become humankind's only hope for survival
1: Yep, that's about what happens in the movie. Thank you very, very much for that, Mister Arthur Gordon. Let's be our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. Miss Alexandra Bohan, what say you?
2: I like this movie a lot. I like the Cornetto trilogy quite a bit. They are my fav. They have some of my favorite kind of humor, just like that quick-witted, uh, fast with those really, really stylized cuts. I don't know what the the term is for them, but whenever they like quick cut-
1: stylized cuts,
2: quick stylized cuts. You're correct. Um, those are really great. Um, Hot Fuzz is one of my favorite movies so I would it would be easy to extrapolate that I would really like this movie and I do I feel like the performance from the cast is really solid I really like Sam, Simon Pegg almost playing against a lot of the type I kind of get from him especially since my favorite movie is Hot Fuzz so seeing him play um, he kind of flips roles with Nick Frost and playing the, yeah. the fuck up character I was
0: just about to say that yeah Nick Frost is the one that kind of plays the shubby screw up schlubby screw up and uh, in, in this one chapter he's the one that really has it all together and i, I think that was really an interesting place to end this series was a better choice frankly i yeah, agree absolutely
2: yeah it was very refreshing to see that especially like that uh quick um plot amplification i was watching he's he's face whenever kind of the shit hit the proverbial fan and he just like it was it was just priceless because i i knew the twist and um it was really great seeing that um Overall, I feel like it's a really great comedic movie. I would say, though, if you don't like British humor, you should probably give this one a pass because it's it's pretty British. Well, I was just going to give this a final review of um, 10 and a half glasses of tap water out of a possible 15.
1: (laughs) Mr. Dalton Stewart. Very well done. (laughs) (laughs) What say you in terms of review? I, I really feel that this
0: is the strongest entry in the three flavors cornetto trilogy i think there's so much going on here um, in terms of theme and like the th- issues being addressed about human nature and about growing up and about nostalgia whereas the other two in this this trilogy i feel like while there's there is things there uh, th- there is discussion to be had i really feel like this is the richest in terms of discussion and i, I just really the most emotionally impactful i think yeah um, there, there's a scene in this film that really uh was is very heavy and really kind of brought a tear in my eye and a lump in my throat but it's also so funny i when they all get together at the train station and on the way i mean the jokes are coming so fast the the whole thing with the the whole musketeers bit that ends with no jesus wrote the bible i mean that is <laughs> so <laughs> funny so funny <laughs> don't be deaf you know you know it's a work of fiction written by alexander dumas so well, a lot of people are saying that about the bible these days what that it was written by alexander dumas no no jesus wrote the bible don't <laughs> be deaf it's so funny it's so funny it just simon pegg is really at the top of his game here i mean and so is martin freeman pa- uh, patty considine. everybody is just knocking it out of the park uh, and Rosamund Pike is really great here, too. I wish she had had more to do. I
2: know. That was kind of a a bummer, like, putting Katie on the bench or whatever.
0: Yeah, but, but I mean, everybody in in this movie is just really nailing it, and I, I love it so much. Again, I think it is the strongest of this trilogy. I really do. I think Edgar Wright has so much come into his own as a filmmaker stylistically between this, and Spaced, and Shaun of the Dead, you know, his, his two first major works, Spaced and Shaun of the Dead, between that and this, you know, over ten years later, I think he really has, well, I guess right at ten years later, um, has really just kind of solidified his visual style and his aesthetic, uh, and really the the rapport he has with his actors, uh, I mean, Simon Pegg, Nick Cross, and him are all good friends in real life, but, you know, the, the script that him and Pegg wrote together, I mean, it's just... Really, everything comes together in this film. Not to mention the fight choreography, which is absolutely amazing. Really, this kind of almost uh, Jackie Chan and the Drunken Master. A kind of inspired uh, fight mm-hmm. choreography. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really solid. It's so much fun. If You probably know whether or not you like this film already. Yeah. Um, but anybody who hasn't checked it out, I think it's definitely worth seeing. I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it eight and a half wedding rings punched out of the stomachs of Robotniks out of a possible nine and a half. You know robot means
1: slave. Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm aware. After watching this film, I'm very aware. So, um, I like my blood and ice cream uh, with pub crawls, and uh, this is sometimes called the Blood and Ice Cream Trilogy, also instead of the Cornetto Trilogy. And uh, I, I do like it with um, soaked in alcohol, and this is very much fun uh, as a movie. Uh, the fight choreography is great. You know, stream of conscious review says something like this: "Hey, it's the '90s, but they're playing way too f- few songs from Joy Division." Look at Robot Smurf Blood. Hey, it's James Bond. Holy cow! I think that is going to go into Transformers. No, guess not. It's going to be The Postman, the end. That is my quick stream of consciousness (laughs) (laughs) review. And uh, very, very, very much fun as I watched uh, the film. And I like it oh so very much. And so I give it uh, five and a half out of order bathroom signs out of a possible seven. And uh, just very, very, very good times uh, for yeah. that. So thank you very much for those quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. Let's move to analysis because that's what we're here to do. Now, Mr. Dalton Stewart, what say you in terms of analysis?
0: From the start of this film, uh, we get to see a lot of Simon Pegg and his refusal to grow up, his insistence on, or Gary King, I should say, his insistence on living in the past. Um, and what we see when we get back into New Haven is that things have changed, and it's not just the robots. Uh, the pubs have changed. They have been taken over, along with the people living there. In the court. starbucking of them, they've been <laughs> starbucked, which apparently is a real thing happening to English pubs, as they've been—they're being bought out by chains and being starbucked. Um, and that's something you see here from the very beginning of the film: is this forced um, homogeneity, this forced conformity, uh, this forcing of things to fit within boxes in which they do not belong. And I think throughout the film, we slowly build to the final confrontation between. Simon Pegg and Bill Nye, who kind of represents not just, you know, he's not just the alien overlord, but he's also kind of representing this force in life, um, this force in culture of saying, no, everything needs to be the same. Everyone has to have the same path through life to success, to quote success. Uh, and while I'm not saying Gary King is, you know, like not without his many, many, many problems
1: significant
0: yeah gary king is is no leader of men i mean he's got a lot of issues um you know he's a very very sad man but he also knows the value of friendship uh and he
1: knows the when he drinks the three leftover empty half pints at i forget which pub he's at yeah Yeah, it's the famous cock is that yeah oh that's right because he is the famous, the famous yeah, yeah, that, that was banned yeah that's right
0: there are some really yeah that's a moment there are some real moments here even before we get the I mean we know early on that Gary King is an alcoholic I mean the movie starts with him in a presumably an AA meeting mm-hmm. um, but there is something very sad uh, I mean it's humorous I mean he, oh, he finishes the pints and that's funny but it's also Gross. a very sad alcoholic thing to do Uh, And when they get to the final pub and Nick Frost is trying to, like, keep him from drinking, he's like, I have to finish this. And it's really heartbreaking. But there is something inspiring about that final confrontation with Bill Nye. I want to get loaded and have a good time. All of human history is built on fuck-ups, and we made them ourselves, and damn it, we chose our own path. And I think that's something really great (laughs) here in this film. Is that this validation of the? I mean, you hear a lot about hum, you know human ingenuity, human excellence, human perseverance. <clears throat> this is the exact opposite of this. This is an eg- exemplification of human foolhardiness, a refusal to say die, a refusal to do what you're told. And there's something really heartwarming about that. And Gary King, throughout the, you know this film and by the, the the flash forward to the apocalypse, you know he's gotten clean. He's still refusing to grow up. But he's doing this so in a you know, for a good cause, it seems, you know, for the the rights of uh, the blanks uh, and you know trying to move forward with life and he's gotten clean by all accounts or from what we can tell anyway uh, in the final you know moments of the film. Um, so while, while Gary King's struggle is very real, and I don't think we need we're, we're not supposed to be like, Oh, yeah, he should just, you know, this film isn't saying that Gary King's the best guy ever at at all. What it is saying, I think, is it's it's validating the beauty of human stupidity uh, and the value of being yourself and not letting people put you into a box because what the robots learn is you can't force conformity. You cannot force people to be how you want them to be. Um, As Malcolm Reynolds says in Serenity, They're going to come back around to the idea that we can make people better. And part of what makes people so great is that we can't. Even when it means, you know, people are holding on to very, very stupid ideas about life. Um, You know what? That's the beauty, though. Everyone gets to have their own opinion, even when they're stupid. Um, And there's something wonderful about that. Because at the end of the day, we all just want to get loaded and have a good time. Uh, And I think that's really beautiful. Uh, and, And... there is something in those final moments with Bill Nye that really speaks to me and I think speaks to the human condition that I find very heartwarming and
1: uh, very powerful. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Ms. Alexandra Bohannon, what say you?
2: Well, I was just going to talk today about how, um, like me and most of the internet, I discovered after thinking about this topic, um, has really na- uh, honed in on the fact that the the Golden Mile and the 12... um, almost 13 pubs that they go to are actually um, indicators of plot and are really great little foreshadowing elements. Um, And I was just going to go over some of those today.
1: What small town's got 12 pubs? That's what I want to know. Right? The
2: best one, (laughs)
0: obviously. I guess a a small English town, I guess. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Anyway, um, so today we're just going to talk about the 12 pub names and what they mean in terms of plot. Obviously, the first pub, the first pub they go to is the first post, the beginning of their journey, um, starting off um, strong, and they at the starting line to go forward. Uh, the second pub is the old familiar. So you go to if you look at the sign art, it is a a picture of that pint, and then it's a secondary picture of that pint. It is like a piece looks like a little clip art that someone just pasted right next to it, and so obviously they're just discovering, hey, this bar's a little familiar because it's exactly like the first one we went to today um the third one is the famous cock the one that gary the famous the most famous cock cannot go to because he was a famous cock um and that's the one where he finishes the three beers it's also the third pub so that's interesting there um, the cross hands. Um, if you think about cross, that's a English slang for being like angry with someone. So mm-hmm. um, laying cross hands, or you know. L- getting... Throwing hands at throwing someone, hands, yeah. This is where the big fight. The big fight happens. Big yeah. fight in the bathroom. That's God,
1: right. that motherfucking bathroom fight is yeah. so good. I with wanted Pete's the VOD face... villains to come in so badly. Oh my it's such a wrestling choreography.
0: It's, yeah. so good. it's that's what's great. It's like pro wrestling <clears> meets um, like old school drunken boxing like, you know, classic 70s kung fu fight choreography. It's yeah. fabulous. I really, uh, listener, if you happen to know, I haven't had a chance to look it up yet. If you know who did the fight choreography on this film, let me know, because it's definitely somebody with a background in, uh, in Chinese martial arts.
2: Yeah, that um, there was that smaller kid that he, he was really good. Do you remember the smaller boy from the... Bathroom fight scene. Yes. He was with the dark hair. Like, yes. Yeah, he looked like he was legitimately trained in.
0: They were probably, one of the, one if not all of those young men, since they don't speak, were probably stunt performers. Yeah. Uh, and Nick Frost and Simon Pegg do really well in the fight choreography. Yeah, they do. Well. Um, they all do, actually. I, yeah. know, I shouldn't just single those two out. Uh, but yeah that's the crossed hands I didn't even yeah. think about that
2: Keith oh my gosh that moment whenever he pops the guy the kid's like was it his head or yeah it was his head off he just made this face because he had never seen it before and he's just like <laughs> like that, oh it's such a great moment watching him watch the watch it um, so on we
0: go to pub five
2: yes pub five the good companions uh, that's the transition to the whiskey bar song which is an amazing song I love that the, it's a good song in their goose like just like all in unison yeah. I don't, it's good not a door song to it totally
1: sounds like a door really? it song it is a door song is it a door song yeah. okay yeah, okay I, we had to look it up. Oh, did you? Okay, oh, okay. I, did, I did
0: not. Answer. I watched I, this with some friends, and we were all like, "This song is great. Who is this? It's The it's doors. doors?" Okay, is which is why sense. it sounds just like Jim Morrison. It sounds so new. Okay, yeah, yeah, it sounds like a, like one of those like garage rock revival bands. Really? But yeah, it it the really doors. does. Yeah. Oh
2: my goodness! So they're all ha- they're having to pre- pretend to be the good companions for uh, the robots, not going to cause a stir, like just kind you of you know, rock, robot means slave, right? To the I was getting to that in the next bar, which is the trusty servant. Servant, robot. Uh, Robot means slave. Um, And then we get that discussion, so that's Pub 6. We understand in the trusty servant that these robots aren't here to serve us. They're actually kind of our uh, robot overlords. Um, The bar after that is the two-headed dog. We have the twins who... um, Females are referred to as bitches when they're dogs, so the d- two-headed dog, bitches. Yeah. The twins. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, one of my favorite uh, pieces of analysis is when we get to number eight, which is the mermaid, which is where the team disco is, and the marmalade sandwich also. The out. marmalade sandwich It's uh, <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So you get to the, whenever I think of mermaids and like, kind of the... Um, mythological sense you think of sirens and sirens were always there to encourage the men off their course off mm-hmm. their quest to distract them to entice them and then maybe eat them later that's not going to happen with the robots but they're definitely going to um, no they're
0: going to be turned control, control into
2: and yeah turn them into compost <clears throat> um number nine is the beehive free house which um free not is definitely not the case, but then we—that's whenever you just dis, we discover the feature of the blanks where they open their mouths and they are like they're all the same unit. Yeah, they're a hive the, mind. They're hive mind exactly, and, and they
1: swarm
0: in their attack. Yeah. Yes, and then we get another sweet fight scene.
2: Yes, that was another great fight scene. Um, number ten, we have the king's head. Uh, Gary is the king, and he's. Um, he smashes his head on a wall to prove that he's not a robot, um, according to one of uh, Dustin's essays. He, and
0: most notably, as I'm, I'm sure you're thinking about, Simon Pegg is clearly the inspira- the artist's inspiration for the for,
2: for the art. If you look up, um, there's you can look up the uh, whole list of the art for the pubs, and uh, definitely has that
1: the pa- the inspiration the there. Tavern panels,
2: yes. Um, tavern panels. I didn't know that actually had a term. Just like a uh, lintel. I didn't, I also didn't know that was a term. And now you do. And now I Are do. Are
0: you sure it's a door? Does it doesn't have a lintel. It's a wind door. It's a wind door. <laughs>
2: um, number 11 is the hole in the wall. Obviously, the hole saves them. Uh, they exit through the hole. The Stephen drives the car through the pub. Um, then, the world's end. One would wonder what that would mean. That's number, Obviously. number 12. But then... Don't forget, number 13, The Rising Sun in the post-apocalypse. Oh, man. The sun upon a new era, as Gary gets to live his dream for the rest of his life of, of his young ragtag he was band. So,
0: he was so cute.
2: <laughs> of young ragtag band of adolescent followers. He gets to do what he's always wanted to do for the rest of his life.
0: Relive the golden mile Relive forever. Relive the
2: golden mile, the glory days, the rising sun on a new era uh, in our post-apocalyptic wasteland.
1: Thank you very much for that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, structural uh, narrative, formalist analysis.
2: Very um, fa- very fun. Very fun.
1: Thank you for that, Alex. Yeah, you're welcome. So I'm going to give something of a cross-reading of the film right now. And uh, what I'm going to suggest is um, that what we have is really uh, Gary King's descent into um, absolute addiction. And uh, so he doesn't remember the initial uh, attempted pub crawl in 1990 as it happened. Mm -hmm. He remembers something very, very different, although some of the details are correct. And interestingly, the pub crawl 10 years later is nearly the same thing. Is it 10 years? I assume.
2: Yeah, I think it, 90.
1: 13 years later. This movie came out in
0: 2013, so it's uh, 23 years later.
1: Yeah, so I mean, there you go. As far as the time frame goes, but it does in, in, in odd ways. They do exactly the same thing. They get very paranoid. In the same places. Uh, there's a fight and punching of the wall in the bathroom. All of those things sort of seem to occur um, in very, very similar kinds of ways uh, throughout the film. And what I would suggest is that at the cross hands, what happens uh, is everything is true to fact up up until that point. They're going around. They're doing the pubs, and they have the, they have the con- um, the confrontation in which. Uh, Nick Frost tells Simon, we're just your enablers, which is a funny word. (laughs) Enabler. (laughs) (laughs) Enabler. 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 And uh, and the revelation that Simon's mom is not dead at all. And uh, Simon is really, uh, Gary Simon, is really taking a downward turn at this point. And is very, very uh, disturbed that his friends are not going to continue on with him. And then he, I think at this point, you know, four four drinks in, shots in, and all of this sort of stuff going on. This is when he descends into madness and reconstructs his own time. Is that he's being confronted by his friends, and he's trying to come up with some sort of distraction for this. And he makes up this false story. Maybe an actual story of an actual fight that he has in the bathroom with some kid. And that begins some sort of downward spiral for him. And then he begins to, those friends who are not going to stick with him, and stick it out. He makes them part of the hive mind, part of those people that don't want him to let him live his own life. Don't let him be free. Don't let him just you know get loaded and have a good time. And so that's what happens with Martin Freeman's character. That's what happens with Peter's character, and that they are set aside because they're they're not they're not going they're not going to stay. There's not game mm-hmm. for this kind of conversation. Uh, Andy and Steve, on the other hand, they stick with him a little bit longer throughout. Uh, and when the romantic relationship with her name is Sam, Sam with Sam. Is finally passed off on it. Actually, she is going to end up with Steve. What he creates in his fantasy is this idea that he lets her go. Mm-hmm. He he allows her to go mm-hmm. like it was somehow his choice mm-hmm. in, in any of of this whatsoever. And uh, can, always have the disabled. Always have the disabled. Oh my god, which is which is so bizarre. Uh, to say. And he continues on again with this hive mind just trying to resist, just trying to be himself and do his own thing. And things get progressively worse, and progressively more frantic, and pro- progressively more disabled. And when he's finally being confronted with sobriety, that uh, what it is is not a confrontation that's going to help him, even though that's exactly what happens in an intervention. Is people are there to help you? They're there to help you be a better person. They're help you to be well adjusted to human society. And he is rejecting that, but in his mind is rejection of an invasion of the body snatchers. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the rejection of sort of this homogenizing hive mind. That's what ends up happening for him. Uh, of course, Nick and Andy eventually. Nick and Andy. Uh, Andy and Steve. Nick is Andy, correct? Mm-hmm. And Andy and Steve uh, end up going their own ways because there ends up being no real help for him. And he gets another group of people equally as blanked out as himself because of drugs and alcohol to follow him around. And now even the drinking does not give him pleasure. It's like drinking rain. It's like just drinking water when he's going on about his life and lifestyle as others go ahead and try to go about their life without him. And so he has to sort of come up with some fantasy of how they can go on with life without him. Well, it's because they're all separate because the apocalypse happened. No, the apocalypse didn't happen. He just refused to be intervened upon, and therefore has shut himself off from real, actual human society. And when he walks into any place, any bar, this guy's problems. This guy is trouble. This guy should be barred and barred for life from all the pubs. And he is seeking a fight, um, picking a fight at all times. And um, because he is drunk all the time, he doesn't know or he doesn't know what it's like to be sober. And uh, that's why it's just water for him that he's ordering at this point. And so it is a, uh, a story of really his descent into madness um, would be the reading that I would wish to offer.
2: I like that a lot. I enjoy that a lot, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, thank you all for that excellent analysis. Let's uh, move on and uh, give our verdict, uh, which shall be shelf or trash, else or instead, I ask you first, Mr. Dalton Stewart would say you.
0: I think this is definitely a shelf-worthy film. I think if you're only going to have one entry in the Coronado Trilogy on your shelf, I really think this should be the one. Um, I, I like it that much. I think it is that strong. And I think it seems to be the most underseen of the three. I think a lot of people who have seen both Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz never got around to checking out the world's end. It's
2: really weird. It and is I weird. don't get that either. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think
0: it's strange. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think again, these aren't sequels proper they are you know it's more of a a spiritual trilogy um but again i I think the beauty of this third film is that it does have a conversation with you know edgar nick and simon back in 2003 back in the late 90s when they were doing space and space is all about these guys who are just you know hanging out smoking dope and playing video games (laughs) <laughs> uh, and it's looking back on that and saying, well, yeah, that's a lot of fun when you're in your twenties, but now that you're in your forties, you really do need to confront these larger existential questions. And I think that's what makes this one so valuable. And I think that is why people should really seek it out if they haven't seen it yet. Uh, for my else recommendations, I'm going to recommend, uh, The Faculty, uh, mm. Dustin's favorite film. Uh, is it really? Um, no. No, he absolutely oh. detests it. Oh. Uh, but it is, uh, another fun, uh, repackaging um of that invasion of the body snatchers uh which would be the movie you should watch uh either version the interesting thing though is that it comes from a contemporary of Edgar Wright Robert Rodriguez uh and while the faculty is centered on uh you know high school teens um it does there there is some overlap with the themes going on in that film in this film um but also it's a lot of fun uh, and again I think it's an interesting pair with this because they are you know contemporaries of one another both in terms of their age and when their careers got going um i think you should also check out the spectacular now which is another film about a young alcoholic obviously uh gary rem- continues to have substance problems throughout his life and then we catch up with him in you know his late 30s whereas *The spectacular now deals with miles teller's character having his alcohol problems in high school and confronting them head on uh, while he's still a teen um And obviously, you should check out Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead if you have not done that. I think you obviously you don't need to see any of these films together. I mean, you can watch just one of them, and they're all going to be you know delightful and engaging on their own. But I really think watching all three of them, they do build on each other in terms of the complexities of ideas being presented. Um, You know, just the idea of they're all, and I'm sure Arthur, you know. could tell you more about this. They all confront this idea of kiddolthood, this kind of, this weird gray area between being a young adult and being a, quote, real adult. Uh, And that starts with Shaun of the Dead, but then carries over into confronting, you know, the sins of your fathers as you grow into adulthood. And then this film, as you move into middle age, you're forced to confront those larger existential questions. And I think all three films kind of carry this through line of, what becoming an adult means, and I think that's something very valuable, Um,
1: which is why you should go ahead and watch all three of them, not just one of them. I like those picks very much. Miss Alexandra Bohannon, shelf or trash, else or instead?
2: Super shelf. This is definitely on my shelf. I don't own very many movies. (laughs) I own this one, ironically, on Blu-ray, even though I don't have a Blu-ray player, Hmm. Bad mistake, bad gifts from family Um, Anyway um, Yes, definitely a shuffleable film Enter the
1: 21st century, Alex, get a Blu-ray I know,
2: I know, I just need a TV first Um,
1: (laughs) Enter the 20th century,
0: Alex
2: Get a TV Oh, no thanks, I
0: don't actually own a television
2: I use my TV as a computer monitor. I think it's a superior use. Um, I would recommend also for, on top of those fantastic picks, um, also check out Scott Pilgrim. Edgar Wright's uh, one of his former uh, picks, and I think that has been recommended before for the Coronado Trilogy. It has a lot of the fanatic, um, fantastical elements. Not fanatic, fantastical elements. And um, it's very interesting. It has some good questions about the same issues Dalton was talking about, like young adulthoods, transitioning into what it means to be an adult. Um, another pick I would go for is uh, The Thing, even though I don't like that movie, but it does address some of the similar issues, especially when you get into that second, third-ish act, when they're like, who is who, who is blank, who is real. Um, that's, that's essentially the entire film of The Thing, so if you like that kind of tension of knowing that and also just because why not i would recommend this is the end because whenever you google these movies you will either come up with that movie or this movie depending on the, the terms you type in and i never get them right even though i like these movies a lot and
0: they came, well and they came out within a couple of months yes, of each other yes they were other.
2: in like the same i think the summerish same block summer of, of 2013 yeah, yeah and so they're people confuse the two and they also deal with a lot of post apocalyptic themes although treated um, using different contexts and methods um, and very, very different endings. Um, yeah, I, I would say those are my picks, and put it on the old shelf.
1: Thank you very much, Ms. Bohannon. I, too, am going to say shelf, um, and because it, it, it's a great movie. It really is a lot of fun. It's very funny. It's very well written. It's very well paced. The action beats are um, not distracting. They are part of what's going on and uh, it is saying some really really interesting things Um, what else you should watch Uh, and I'm not going to be making any sort of apocalyptic end of the world sort of recommendations you know the left behind series types Uh, things I just I think they're all about the same level and I don't like any of them and so I I really don't have much love for that and uh, you can see previous episodes from my thoughts of apocalypticism uh, and the use of that term in describing films so um, Alexander Payne Sideways uh, with the great Paul Giamatti oh I didn't even think about about that that's a great pick and uh, I, th- I think it pairs quite well with the film also yeah. in terms of uh, touches on a lot of the same themes too there's some brilliant uh, analysis in sight and sound about character composition based on drinks uh, and uh, one choice for that is Blue Velvet in which uh, some drink Heineken some drink Pass Blue Ribbon and some people drink the king of beers uh, Budweiser and so uh, based on those things we sort of know something about who those people are based on the, the beers that they drink and it has nothing to do, whatever, with uh, with The World's End, but it is a great film. Uh, it's David Lynch, and he's one of my heroes, so check it out. Thank you, thank you, thank you, dear co host for that excellent uh, bit of recommendation. Dear listener, your syllabus just got longer. Longer. Let's talk a little bit about social media. Mr. Dalton Stewart, do you know anything else about social media means by which conversations might be held?
0: Tonight, Dustin, we will be partaking in a social media repast as we wind our way along the golden internet mile. Commencing with the inaugural tankard at the first post, then on to the old retweet, the famous cock, the cross. <laughs> that one doesn't change. No, that one doesn't change. No, it does not change.
1: <laughs>
0: the crossed fingers, the good followers, the trusty followers, the two-headed Facebook, the mermaid, the beehive, the king's head, and the hole in the wall for a measure of the same, all before that last bittersweet pint and that most fateful terminus, the Internet's end. Leave a light on good lady, for though we may return with a twinkle in our eyes, we will be truly blind, because we're looking at our phones. (laughs) Thank you very much. Also, Twitter in there somewhere. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, you can find the Good Trash genre cast on Twitter, at good underscore trash.
1: Any feedback coming in from that
0: Twitter feed? Lots of retweets and favorites this week, which I really appreciate. Uh, Brigham Cole recommended it to Dustin, uh, Dustin mentioned on our episode last week that he'd love to see a Pacific Rim television series, uh, and recommended the anime series uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is about giant robots fighting giant monsters. So, Which is also
1: Greek for gospel, so he, go figure.
0: He uh, recommended that to you uh, in response to your desire for a Pacific Rim television series. I favorited it. Oh, you did? I see I did. that now. So, yeah, that's what we've got going on this week on the Twitter. Not a lot of feedback. Um, it's, it's slower than the Facebook. I get that. I know that the Facebook's more popular, but you know what? Fuck you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Donaldsworth. Of course, you can give us feedback at iTunes, Stitcher Internet Radio, or there at the Podbean site at which uh, this podcast is cast. Um, out into the internet ether and we love to hear those comments and we will read them upon the air. So, thank you uh, for that all, but enough of this. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game.
2: Time to play the game!
1: <laughs> this week's game is movie-themed beer names. Uh, that's right.
0: Movie-themed beer names brought to you by The World's End. The World's End. When you want to
1: get shit-housed, this is a good film to watch. <laughs> Thank you, very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. So let's begin with those picks, Miss Alexander Bohannon. What are your selections?
2: Well, my aren't beer sorry guys they're mixed drinks because i couldn't come up with very many uh beer ones but i'm sure that you guys will do an excellent job of doing that for me so, i know a little
0: bit of both actually
2: yeah um so i thought we could uh go kind of classic we'd have a, a dark and stormy night the dark night dark and yeah stormy I, I gotcha night. yeah i got it i got, yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. I got it i got Good. it um how got about how ahead. about a hot fuzzy navel for you. Ah. <laughs> that makes me happy. Well done.
1: <laughs>
2: and then, of course, any drink with Kraken um, for any of the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, especially the third one.
1: There you go. Thank you very much, Miss Alexandra Bohannon. What are your picks, Mr. Dalton Stewart? We're going to start the evening with a little
0: Finding Fosters, Australian for Beer. <laughs> uh, then we're going to move on to a The Dark Beer Rises. Uh, and then we're going to move into a The Royal Saki Bombs. <laughs> very good, very good We're going to move into the spirits with Bullet Bourbon Starring Steve McQueen <laughs> Nice uh, And finish it all up with Fight Club Soda and
1: Scotch Well, um, I believe uh, There may be a twinkle in our eye But we will be, in fact be blind, blind. Drunk. Drunk, yes uh, After all of that Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart uh, My first suggestion is G.W. Pabst Blue Ribbon Oh, shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Then uh, maybe a little Airbud Light uh, uh, let's, let's mix it up with a couple cocktails. Uh, let's do a uh, Snakes on a plane Bite, uh, which is a combination of Guinness and Hard Apple Cider. Very good. Uh, I was th- trying
2: to find a cider one.
1: And then uh, a Bloody American Mary uh, also. Uh, Fuck yes. <laughs> and then our final, uh, which will be a Red Ale, which will be, there will be Blood Red Ale uh, as our selections uh, from uh, my particular pub this evening. so uh, That th- was fabulous, thank you. <laughs> Dig. Good times being had by We're all... really into the wacky games lately. <laughs>
2: we did. I kind of like it, yeah.
1: Dear listener, what are some of your movie-themed beer suggestions? We would love to hear that. Anything in the cider realm, we would love to hear as well. So uh, The
0: Cider House Rules.
1: The Cider House Rules.
0: Well, that w- that was a fun game.
1: That was a very fun game. Let's <laughs> conclude the show... As we always do, with what's got us fired up this week in popular culture. And, but we tried to fight it. Arthur, Miss Alexandra Bohannon, are you fired up this week?
2: Um, yes, but I haven't really had a lot of time to experience the firing because this is finals week, and as Dustin. Um, we'll also probably iterate, and Arthur too, we have a lot of things to do with uh, school and stuff, and minor I'll do tomorrow, so, um, there was just a new uh, Dota patch, and there's details about the big international tournament, and we were really, Keith and I have been really excited about that for the past few days, so that's pretty neat. Um, I've been re-listening to Harry Potter 5, um... And I've been enjoying that immensely, so that's got me fired up every time I get into the car. And I think that's about it. I am going to go see the uh, Age of Ultron, which I'm assuming those guys are going to talk about later. Uh, I'm going to go see that this coming weekend, but that's only when I get free of my, my books, my shackles and chains. I knew I was forgetting something I was fired up about. Sorry, it just was a very long week. So, But it had to do with school, so I think I kind of like put it aside. Um, Listeners will notice in the Spring Breakers episode, I I referenced the um, article Driving While Black. Well, I actually got to hear that um, author speak at the University of Oklahoma. Um, Anyway, so he basically gave a presentation of that article. Um, It was really fascinating stuff about um, using, he used the DOJ's study of Ferguson as like kind of a framework for analyzing this like- 18 million points of data he received from the um, North Carolina Police um, Reporting Service for being pulled over. And essentially, um, the results are what one would expect, that Ferguson as is maybe an outlier, but it is not unusual. There are many other police departments just like Ferguson, and most of the time, unless you are someone getting pulled over for a DUI, if you are a black male and you get pulled over, you will have your car searched. It's just... That's just going to happen. And it's like, it's like almost a, it's over a hundred percent chance that's going to happen. It's like hundred and eighteen percent chance that that'll happen. Wow. Yeah. It's just a ridiculous finding. And, and uh, very, it's especially relevant. Considering Police doing the,
0: extra credit on that assignment. <coughs> <Yeah>. Jesus.
2: <laughs> considering the uh, Baltimore situation, I yeah. thought that it'd be very relevant to mention again. So
1: excellent. Thank you very much, Miss Alexander Bohannon. Mr. Donald Stewart, you fired up this week.
0: I am. As, Promised uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, with the start of Mad Men and Game of Thrones, I said I would give you updates on how I feel about these things. Um, This final seven episodes of Mad Men have been so amazing. I mean, we're talking some of the best episodes the show's ever produced, and they're just back-to-back-to-back great. Um, I believe episode five of this seven airs this evening. Uh, We're recording today, Sunday, May the 3rd. Uh, so I do believe that's going to be the next one. Um, I, I'm so just really enjoying this and, and watching the show move into its final episodes. Uh, I'm such a huge fan of Mad Men, and, and listener, I hope you are too. Uh, if you're not, now's a good time to get on the bandwagon. Um, all the other seasons of Mad Men, including the first half of season seven, are streaming on Netflix right now. So if you've missed out on it, go ahead, do yourself a favor, get caught up. Um, obviously nobody expects you to watch ...all of those episodes before the end of the series. But you're missing out if you're not watching it. Um, Break Game of Thrones has also been fabulous so far this season. Still putting a lot of the pieces on the board. We're only like three or four episodes into the season so far. Um, But I wanted to let everybody know that not... That a week from now, uh, I will be on former guest host Caleb Masters' uh, Game of Thrones podcast, The Cast Beyond the Wall so check that out um, more news as it follows but I'm going to be uh, discussing uh, Game of Thrones on his podcast next week so that's something I'm looking forward to quite a bit. Um, I, I enjoy Caleb a lot and he has a very strong podcast um, about Game of Thrones uh, again that's cast beyond the wall. I think if you like this show and you like Game of Thrones it's going to be worth your time. Like everyone at this table I am very excited about the Avengers Age of Ultron I have not seen it yet hoping to do that tomorrow Um been reading a lot of very interesting write-ups on it. Uh, Not reviews proper because I don't really care for film reviews. Um, If I did, I'd be on a film review show. Um, (laughs) I'm more interested in the larger cultural conversation and I'm more interested in thematic conversations. So I'm hoping to see that tomorrow, but I have been reading a lot of good write-ups on it. I'm very excited. Um, As mentioned last week, I was going, I mentioned last week that I was going to go see Ex Machina, which is now in wide release. I did see it. Uh, It's awesome. Uh, Probably the best 2015 release I've seen so far, so do that.
1: Next week's pick is a host pick from Mr. Dalton Stewart. What is it, Dalton?
0: My host pick is a film that has come up probably at least once every other month since we've started doing this show. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it comes up a lot. Uh, And as soon as we selected this marathon and I realized my host pick was falling... In this marathon, I knew what I'd select.
1: Speaking of really good fight choreography, what else should we watch, Dalton? We're going
0: to watch Blade 2, motherfuckers! Ah, I'm so excited! Uh, Yes, great fight choreography in Blade 2. Um, It is easily the best Blade movie. It's actually, surprisingly, one of Guillermo del Toro's best movies, somehow. Um, A sequel to a comic book movie that he didn't have anything to do with. I mean, he's literally a gun for hire on this film, and it's still one of his best movies.
2: So, for people that don't know, including me, do I need to watch Blade 1?
0: Uh, Not really. Uh, You can. Um,
2: Will I be missing anything really important?
0: Not really. It kind of, I mean, there are some minor plot carryovers from the first one, but by and large, it is a standalone film. Um, Okay. If you want to watch Blade 1, you should. I mean, Blade 1 is also pretty good, Mm -hmm, uh, but Blade 2 is aces. Uh, So, that is what we're going to be watching next week, dear listener. Blade 2, starring Wesley motherfucking always bet on black snipes and directed by Guillermo del Toro. I am so excited.
1: Good times will be had by all dear listener. Take a look at that. Take a look at the world's end. Take a look at anything as far as movies go and have a great conversation with somebody thereafter because that's what really makes the movies fun and worth watching, uh, which is, I think Alex suggested off mic. Like- And I'm just not sure what that's you cannot
2: put that on that microphone. <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, Arthur. If you me and my and in me as a person, you will not let that ever airwaves go. That cannot be put into outros, that cannot be put in your files, that has to be deleted immediately.